welcome to Two Wizards and a Mic, where we talk about D&D and make it interesting and stuff, because we're awesome. Uh, I am Shane, and... I am Andrew. And of course, this episode is brought to you by Kwin Publishing, makers of fine books and stuff, and I'll eventually get around to putting the covers in the graphic, but you know, one step at a time, everybody. No rush. Today, we're talking about what you need to do in order to basically make your table interesting, sexy, awesome, adventurous, inspiring. What, what would efficient. you want to go for? Efficient. Oh, efficient. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, we're going to talk about setting up the table. We've talked about a lot of elements of the game to do with the Dungeon Master. So uh, we'll do that today again for the most part about the DM, and then we'll start doing a bunch of uh, episodes about for players. So, um, and I do have a quick update for the Kickstarter, the Wilderness, Monsters of the Wilderness Kickstarter. So the books for most people are gonna be arriving, the printed books at our office here in about two or three weeks, and we will start shipping right away. However, the UK backers, uh, because of shipping, uh, the shipping, shipping situation to the UK, we used a UK printer, and those books are being printed right now and will start shipping probably in a week or two. So the UK backers will actually get their books first, most of them. Nice. Yeah, so that's our news. And then, yes, as far as setting up, setting up a table, so the best way, the most efficient way to set up your table to play D&D. Now, we're not... We're not going to talk about the tables and the people who have money to have a custom-built, massive table. <laughs> or the or the ones that have those incredibly large, like, flat-screen TVs built into them. I got to say, I'm not a fan. Uh, for a short time, I think that there, there's, there's definitely some tools out there that are really great for, uh, you know, character building and stuff like that when you're a player. But I have to admit... Doing that for a year, year and a half, uh, definitely there were limits. And I think the same thing applies to uh, DM tables, where sure, they could look sexy and you could have like 3D environments of all kinds with smoke and lights and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I don't know. I, I kind of find that just gets in the way. But what do you think? Yeah, I have to agree. You know, we like, like simple and um, we're, you know, fans for sure of the pen and paper uh, character sheet on the table. However, yes, there's lots of different kinds of tables, but most tables are not, people aren't going to have a ton of space. So you really need to use the space the best way you can. Um, and you want to make sure you have enough room for your DM because that's the person, the dungeon master really needs some more space, especially if they use a DM screen. Um, I think sometimes it's better to have a lot of the books you might use just off to the side because you don't necessarily you don't really need to have them all the time on the table um for the players and the dungeon master but the dm needs space for their notes um and they need probably space for the D dungeon master screen and then you need space for the players to put the character sheets and uh, again drinks and food you might leave off to the side if possible i was actually just realizing this weekend we just the West of the Wood group uh, with Shane and a few people we played on Sunday. And I was realizing I'm going to have to change the table when we do finally play in person again, because right now I'm using the entire table. 
And um, you have to remember that the players need space for their character sheets and um, and their dice. I know we had a player, a couple of players in our group, their dice take up as much space as their character sheet. <laughs> I, I have to say that uh, there have been times where I have had, you know, you kind of, you really want more space because you realize you're banging into something or uh, I think there are a couple of times where actually didn't we have a time where we rolled a couple of ones in a row and characters died uh, and that was because they kept hitting something on the table. I think it was just, maybe it might have been just like a figure, but yeah, no. you know, whatever. No. But the um, but definitely there's times where I've done that, and and it's kind of funny because uh, over the holidays in, in December, I got to actually hang out with my family, and uh, we were sitting there, and you know you're at the big sort of Christmas dinnery thing, and there's always a table off to the side that has you know whatever is not being passed around at the time, mm-hmm. and while we were doing that, I actually was thinking, I thought. Oh yeah, I should get a side table so that when I can actually have a game running, I can actually. So it was a bit weird that I was thinking of D and D while you know stuffing my face with whatever it was. Right. But, um, it definitely yeah, having stuff off at the side is a really good idea because you DMs will always have that moment where something hits the floor, a book drops, uh, and you hope it's only the book. But sometimes mm-hmm. it takes figures with it. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes the screen with it. So you will kind of want to avoid that. So yeah, I think that's actually probably one of the most important things is not everything needs to be on the table at all times. So. No. And, and you like, like you say, you want to use the top, the tabletop the best way you can. So if you do have miniatures, um, you know, you need space. If, you know, of course, terrain is one option, 3d terrain and then maps or a, ba- a battle mat, those kind of things for your table. Um, all those things, if you're going to use them, you need to really figure out the best way to use the table and, maybe not having all the drinks on the table. We do have one yeah. player in the West of the Wood group who, whose dice, you know, for two or three years went everywhere. <laughs> and we've, we've, uh, we've trained her now that her dice is not, they're not flying off miniatures and the DM screen <laughs> and flying across the floor, which is especially an issue when I had a young kid. You know, when a toddler wandering around or a baby wandering around where there's dice on the floor and nobody wants to step on a D4. I've, I, I think I've only done that once. And that nobody was, wants to I, step on a, a you know, four-sided dice. It's worse than Lego. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not, not it's not good. Not fun. Um, so yeah. So you want to make sure you use the space really well. Then of course, uh, DM screen is an option that still I'd say probably most people use. Um, I meant I showed some examples a few shows we did before. The um, the current official D and D screen, the newest one, uh, has a dragon flying down to a city. I think that one is a, such a good job. They do such a good job of putting all the information that you would need, the kind of things you look up all the time on the back of the screen. That's such a good one. And then um, I showed the one that Cub- Cubicle Seven, who published Warhammer. They make they made a spectacular one that is so well built and it's got a beautiful medieval cover scene. Um, so there's lots of different DM screens, and um, you also want to make sure if you're the DM, you have your notes about the campaign. Uh, notes that I've, I always note things that happen during the adventure, during that night, um, during that session. Um, 
And then if you use a laptop or a tablet or phone, you might need that. So again, the Dungeon Master needs a certain amount of space. And um, post-it notes are a big favorite of mine because you can put them on the back of the DM screen. And that's what I use for initiative yeah. order. And um, then you can just erase or you can just cross out the last initiatives. And then you still have lots of room on the notes to do more. Usually I use uh, a few post-its for each game. And then, of course, dice. So these days, not like back in the day, people had one set or maybe two sets if they were lucky. Now there are people who have hundred sets uh, and they bring, yeah. This is on my desk at all times <laughs> these days. Yeah. So, yeah, so you bring your dice. Um, and then, of course, core books, either the basic rules, which you can get for free on the D&D site and print them up. Or you can use the player's handbook, the monster manual, and the dungeon master's guide. Players, a lot of players use the player's handbook as well. Um, and then maybe some other official books you might be interested in. There's a few that have different classes and um, in them. And then uh, third-party books. For instance, Kwood Publishing's monster series books is one option to have nearby. Um, those kind of books I always have near the table but not on the table because um, I'm not using them all the time. The one I use the most yeah. is usually one of the monster books, either one of ours or the official monster book. And then that one I might keep more on the table, especially if there's a huge battle. Um, yes. And then, of course, there's not only the map that you could have on the table, which could be the scenery, Sometimes they're called battle maps or flip maps or flip maps. Um, there's also maps that you've drawn of for the adventure, uh, ones that you want to show the characters or ones yeah. that you want to keep behind the DM screen. So you want to have those ready as well. Um, and then part of the battle mat, if you have a play mat, part of the routine with that sometimes is flattening it because um, Often you have to roll them up. You don't have a place to store it flat. So when I use that, I take out all the books I have and put it on a table and, and flatten it. I've had a lot of people say, oh, you can just get a big piece of plexiglass and lay it down no. to flatten it quickly. And I, and I always respond, I live in Vancouver. Where am I going to keep a piece of <laughs> huge piece of plexiglass? And I, uh, that, of course, was when I were in our condo, but it still takes up a lot of room. Um, exactly. Well, one of the best tricks I learned about dealing with battle mats is when, because uh, I, I have a battle mat and and I, I put it away and it fell off of a shelf and it fell behind something and it bent and then something fell right. on top of it and it stayed there for like six months. And then I was like, where's my battle mat? I need it for tomorrow. And I pulled it out. It was all crumpled up. So a trick for those is uh, I actually went online. I was looking around, like, how do you actually re-flatten a battle map to uh, the same way? And, right. uh, yeah, you just, you just take a towel and uh, you uh, uh, take a, a, a sort of, like, uh, not a thick towel, but like a, a, a tea towel kind of thing. And uh, you just iron it. And you can actually iron those things flat again. And it works really right. well. I was surprised. Like, it may be a faint crease here or there, but really right. you can't tell unless you're looking for it. So oh, cool. that that saved my battle mat. So quick tip there. Yeah. an iron. <laughs> That's a good idea. I didn't hear that before. Um, yeah, my battle mat story is that when we were moving this summer, 
my wife found this big long package and she's like, what's this? And I'm like, oh, that's my backup battle mat in case the other one gets damaged. Because you have to remember to use the right pen on them, which uh, there was a, yes. we had an accident on our, at our table once. Um, and I think it was when a guest DM was there, I think. Yeah, they used a different pen and it was permanent. I think they used the dry erase when you're supposed to use the wet erase. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. It depends which kind you have, but usually that's the case. You use the wet yeah. erase. And um, so I said, oh, that's the backup one. And then we're a few days later, we're, we're packing a few more things. And she's like, what's this long package? And I'm like, oh, that's my other backup battle mat. <laughs> It's the backup of the backup. <laughs> I didn't you realize I, those dry erase pens will strike. <laughs> it's possible that I saw that they were still a decent price and I and I got I just decided to buy another one because now they used to only be I think 20 25 dollars Canadian. Now they're I yeah. think they're 80 or 90 or more all of a sudden. Yeah, well especially the like the vinyl ones are just yeah. so expensive and you know they're 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 just they're fancy i guess you know but um but they're definitely especially if you get them with stuff on them uh if you know if you have like oh this is the water event this mm -hmm. is the water map or this is mm -hmm. the cave map and and uh they're i still like those ones because they do roll up where the ones that fold mm -hmm. uh you know over time the fold creases start to mm -hmm. wear and it just kind of i don't know they just kind of look weird um, and I think, uh, in terms of like battle structure, you can have like, uh, the ones that you have, which are those sort of tile ones. And I like those ones too. They're a little more resilient to, mm -hmm. uh, to the, to the wear and tear of playing, which you think would not be that serious, but it's serious. Come on. Yeah. Uh, they get no, used it's a true. Lot. True. Especially when your kid gets to use it during the week. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the official Dunge Dungeons and Dragons wilderness tiles, their dungeon tiles, their city tiles are really well made. So there were a bunch of those made maybe 10, 20 years ago. And then they they re they published a new set of them a couple of years ago. Those are really good quality. And then they're great uh, flip mats and uh, map tiles from Paizo. Uh, really beautiful ones that you can get. We use a lot of those. Um, those are like two-dimensional maps you could use on the table and you can use markers with those as well. Um, you also, if, you have, if you're using miniatures like we do, uh, the dungeon master wants to choose um, which and make sure you have all your creatures ready. And um, I sometimes would hide those behind some books just off to the side so the players wouldn't know what's coming. You know, like, oh, there's a red dragon coming. I'm going to make sure I drink my potion of fire resistance for no reason <laughs> at all. Um, so that I hide the true. miniatures, but I have them uh, nearby. And then the players, of course, uh, either the dungeon master or the players choosing the miniature for their character, for the hero, for the heroes. Right. And, um, and then if you're going to do an online game uh, like we are right now, you want to make sure that your camera and those kind of things are ready, your tripod. I know that's what I ended up spending some time this weekend doing was trying to find the right tripod. Um, and of course, we had that classic moment in our game this weekend where uh, you, your character, your druid, decided to cast what spell? There was a drider, 
oh, coming yeah, yeah. towards you, and you cast a spell to block the drider's progress towards you. And what's the name of that spell, Shane? Wall of Thorns! What did you say during the game? Say, Wall of... Oh, uh, uh, I can't remember. You I said, vague... I cast Wall of Thrones. Oh, Thrones, that's right. That's right, Wall of Thrones, and people are like, so it's like a wall of swords that kind of come up and crisscross over each other? Well, oh, I, yeah. Writing, you know, writing about all of, writing about this game all the time, I knew as soon as you said that, because it's just basically you sort of move the letters around slightly, I knew yeah. 100% what you were talking about, so immediately said, do you mean Wall of Thorns? Um, which was actually incredibly effective effective because you blocked the drider and allowed your party to escape yeah because we were like because we had been just it was we we're trying to go down this tunnel and we were trying to get to one place and, the, and we got attacked like right away and pretty much everyone attacked us mm -hmm. and uh, even the ones that we kind of thought were maybe friendly-ish uh and then uh, that happened and yeah i i just decided you know that's it i've had enough of these guys <laughs> do this because we had one other way to go and like, ah, we'll see what goes what's down there yeah and uh, you said well effectively that has ended the uh the battle so yeah, you can yeah that's right feel free to roam <laughs> that's right that's exactly yeah i said right away well combat is over <laughs> because i mean that's the thing too is that you can have players throw that kind of stuff at you and uh something else that, that i haven't thought of in a while are, are those uh uh, the plastic uh, spell effect mm -hmm. uh, area, area of spell effect. Mm -hmm. And you also have like, well, like wall of ice or wall of thorns mm -hmm. or wall of fire. Um, you have all those sorts of things that you could actually use to kind of, instead of drawing it on the battle map, it's like, okay, well now there's a wall here and it's you know, yeah. never feet long and stuff like that. So that actually, that is those little, I don't know what you call them. Are those? Um... Um, yeah. Spell effects. And I, you know, kind of my opinion about that, that has changed over time. I, I, I really liked them when they first came out. So these companies, some of the companies that make uh, battle mats and um, some items, three or two dimensional items for the table have made these plastic spell effects that you can lay down on the, on the table. Um, th some of them are useful, like the fireball one is nice, nice and dramatic and, you know, you're, but I think, again, it's an issue of whether or not it's, a, it's actually practical. Um, there's, that's why, you know, I say all the time that there's lots of good ideas for D&D, &D, but like it's a good idea, but it might not be practical. And the problem with those is storage. And again, it's just more stuff. So I think if you can store them nearby to the table, then it's useful and it's, it doesn't really take away from the flow. I think that's, you know, that's part of the reason that I like to keep things as simple as possible is game flow, I think, is very important. And um, just like I think um, these video reviews in sports, and we were just talking about how Shane's not a huge fan of anything except Canadian football, but I am a big sports fan. But the video reviews they have now, I think, are just ridiculous because it takes away from the flow of the game. I would rather keep the flow and have mistakes by referees and officials. It's I don't want to be sitting there like in rugby now. Every time there's a try scored, they many many times now you have to sit and wait to see if it was actually a try. And right. instead of being able to cheer like in the moment, 
And the same with gameplay. I think that whatever you can do to keep gameplay smooth, you need to do. And too much moving around and getting items by the dungeon master, like getting too much getting uh, time spent getting miniatures or getting effects or terrain, too much of that takes away. So I think there's a balance there. And if you're able to store it very close by, it can work. But uh, and maybe part of it is that I'm just older and I don't want to get up and <laughs> up and back to the table, up and down all the all you know all game long. Um, that might be part of it as well. Well, I mean, especially since uh, actually with your new table, I'm assuming that you're further away from all of your uh, Reaper miniatures. So. Uh, not too far. We actually just, the miniatures have actually been on a few journeys. So they, oh, they had to, first I had to take them all out of the cabinet because one of the legs broke. So I had to take, oh. you know, whatever they are, the collection is quite large, three or 400 of them I had to take them out and then fix the leg and then put them all back. Then we had to move. So I had to take them all out, figure a way to transport them all and then put them back into the cabinet when we got here. Now we've built a new wall unit, so they've had to be transferred again, but they're not too far and they're organized better now because before I had to reach in behind and try to see where they were. Now they're all in a drawer so you can pull out the drawer and you can, nice. yeah. So it's, they've gone, it's gone through an evolution over time. <laughs> well, that's kind of cool because, you know, eventually you're going to want to have everything you want to have a room just walled with shells for miniatures you're like oh yeah you're, you've run into this creature here it is on the table it's going to kill you all now but enjoy that would be nice yeah <laughs> if you just reached up and grabbed tiamat yeah yeah now actually i wanted to comment about the the terrain idea because um sometimes you do want to have like a 3d thing you're looking at and mm -hmm. with, if you're just drawing on a battle mat sometimes you know, it depends on your mood but i know that sometimes as a player you're kind of like i'm trying to picture this in my head it's just not working and then at some point you have care of dms that got handled were able to get a hold of a handle on a hold of like 3d printed stuff which is kind of a neat invention for dm playing mm -hmm. uh or you're running any game because then you can have some more 3d stuff that you can sprinkle in a little bit um but it, i thought it was kind of funny because uh when we first started playing right after the holidays uh you had all these fancy new 3d trees and you mm -hmm. set the camera up and it's like okay we're gonna play now and you guys are now in a forest and it was i think at that moment that all of us <laughs> in, in the in the zoom call were like yeah wait a minute where are we and you're like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah so you had actually removed some trees and then it, you know eventually showed us where we were but um i guess yeah the, you have to find that nice balance between what's going to help you know get people immersed into the into the adventure mm -hmm. versus uh you know other 75 trees around i can't see where we're supposed yeah. to go but at the same time that kind of helps too because if you're in like a dense forest if you have too many things on the thing but what kind of what's sort of your advice for you know striking that that overall balance Again, it depends on your setup. I would say for most tables, the most efficient way to do it is if you want to do a fancy setup with a lot of terrain, I would open the night with that. So, and I would try to have that as the main area for the beginning of the game. 
Um, right. It depends what kind of dungeon master you are too. If you if you are a railroad dungeon master and you really want to direct the story, which is just one way of playing, then you could keep the characters there somehow. If you're a sandbox, if you like a sandbox game like I do, where the party can do whatever they want, um, then what I would do is, again, I would have the big setup at the beginning of the night and I would have some other things planned and would try to organize it so that there was a break where I could take down that big initial setup and then bring in some other pieces. Right. Basically, kind of like a play, exactly like a play. Um, so that's what I do right now is usually we play for an hour, hour and a half to start. And then there's a break. And in that break, I'll take down that main set unless it's unless the players are still there for a while. Um, and then I'll bring in start to bring in something new. But I won't I don't really have the time to build a really big set again. So I'll I'll kind of scale it down a bit. Um, again, yeah. And it depends if you're playing online or if you're playing in person, too. So, but again, me, for me, the number one thing is the game flow and are the players, um, are they paying attention? Are they in, invested? And as long as they're invested and they're present, that's, that's the most important thing. And if you can do that with a really big setup um, where the party stays there the whole, for that whole session, then that's great. And especially since you're going to have you're going to be playing on tables and running games on tables that are a variety of different sizes like um a lot of tables like kitchen tables stuff like that they tend to be a bit thin mm -hmm. um i used to have this oak table that i was just in love with it had like metal banding on the legs it just was gorgeous and but it was huge like it had uh you know it was a typical say dining room size table but it had an extra width to it of maybe mm -hmm. like a foot and that made a huge difference I wish I kept that table. I think it's long gone, but, um, but yeah, so you have to kind of adapt to those kinds of things. So if you're guest DMing at somebody else's location, you kind of have to play with what you get kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, to go over sort of a, just a, a little bit here, just uh, before we uh, close it off is uh, you've talked about the camera use and for the online stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think you, at one point, actually you have two cameras where, mm -hmm. um, you're able to like switch between okay, I'm looking at the the desk and or at the at the table, and then I'm looking at potentially the the the, the DM. And yeah. how do how do you have you actually dealt with with adapting to that kind of play? So what I usually do is um, I use the I like you say two cameras. So the laptop camera on me on the dungeon master, and then I have another camera on a tripod, like just a small little tripod that aims at the table, which is set up as if we were playing in person. So what I do is I open the night with the camera on me, giving the setup, and then I'll use the table camera for everything that happens in that scene on that setup. And then if, if, um, if something changes or I need to do some theater of the mind for a while, then I'll, I'll switch back to the camera on me. So, but most of the night I keep the camera on the table um, because we use miniatures and terrain and the setup. And uh, yeah, so that's, and it's worked really well. Um, and again, we have found online gaming a lot more enjoyable than we thought, and we have a lot of fun. 
However, we would still prefer to be in person. Yeah, I agree. I agree because yeah. the camera thing is great. And I've only ever done it uh, once. And that was because one of the players had moved to Toronto. And uh, and I luckily at the time was playing in my living room. So I had a big, huge TV there. And I thought, you know what? I'll just bring my laptop over, plug it into the TV, put the webcam up on top of the TV, point it at the, at the room. And it actually worked really well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because it was weird because you had all these people in the room and then this huge, you know, face that was like, uh, my character is now going to do this, you know, that kind of stuff. And it, yeah, yeah. But I think that's a very rare thing that because that, uh, otherwise it can be too difficult and just it's annoying. It's so much more convenient when you're in the same room and you're actually able to, you know, just do everything all at the same time. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Now, the last question I have is, what are your suggestions about getting from uh, the previous session to the session that is starting? Uh, what kind of things do you do? Because you mentioned that you'd like to take notes at the very end, but do you do anything right. else uh, to remember what, what happened before? Well, funnily enough, one of, the, one of the best things about recording games, whether you just record the audio or you do the, record the video as well, which is what we do, um, and one of our groups, the um, Old Boys Club, we actually put the, um, the games on this YouTube channel. So one of the best parts about that is what I always do the next before the next session is I listen to or watch the last session to make sure I know exactly where every, what's, what's going on. And um, I also can use either photographs or the video to make sure I know where all the characters are. And um, the main thing I want to remember usually is what's going on with the non-player characters, especially your companions. <clears throat> and um, so that's one of, the, one of the really useful things about recording the sessions. And then, yeah, I always take notes that I will then review and add to my notes for the next game. Right. Um, so a lot of things like if a player is, has an, in, uh, an extra injury, or if there's magic items that you've uh, found, but you're not sure what they are. Um, those kind of things, things that are going to carry over into the next game. Right. Yeah, those, you, know, you want to make sure you have some notes about those and make sure you know what the, where everybody is in the story. Exactly. And especially since I know that when you are running a game that at the very end, you tend to take a photograph of the, of the table as well, because there's sometimes where, I mean, you have the luck of maybe the next game you play, you don't change the table or the mm -hmm. map or whatever. But, you know, if, if you're playing more than one group or running more than one group, you're definitely going to be, oh, well, I'll race that. But I found, I just, I find that actually really useful because I've done that myself. Like as a player, I've like taken photographs of the tables to kind of remember, to jog my memory of what happens. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you can also kind of get a, you get a feeling of the tone of the game and the story too, if you listen to it again. And that helps. Right. I think that helps some continuity. Um, you can also listen to the voices you've used for NPCs to make sure you're, that they are something like what they were before. I am terrible at that. <laughs> my voice is very different from last week i know i don't remember what i did because i haven't listened to the podcast yet but we can talk about that stuff in more detail later time because podcasting games and and, and doing the video stuff that becomes even more involved and 
and questionable sometimes, you know, especially with the video. It's like, why are we recording this? Is this out of necessity or because we're fulfilling some sort of weird thing about the internet? But <laughs> but anyway, uh, thank you all for watching. Uh, we are trying to keep these short because we want them to be information heavy and uh, not seven hours long. And uh, because, you know, we have lives too. And I, I think... He says, looking at his watch and calendar. Um, but don't forget to tell people about the show and, and do all the stuff that people normally do uh, by subscribing to the channel and clicking like button stuff. Because, uh, to be honest, we kind of want to know what's going on. Because otherwise, uh, what if we talk about something that's you know you don't care about? So maybe we won't yeah. talk about that. And you might notice that we don't have comments on YouTube turned on, but we are on yes. Twitter and um, Instagram and Facebook. You can look for Two Wizards and a Mic on Twitter. You can look for Kwood Publishing uh, and Kwood Publish on Instagram. And soon, I think we'll get uh, we'll get Two Wizards and a Mic on Instagram as well. Uh, yeah, we have uh, our first episode launches next Tuesday. By the way, for the audio version of the show, nice. uh, I've been cleaning up the audio, and uh, I've almost I'm almost at the stage where I really like what the audio opening is going to be which I have to run by Andrew first. But uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Sounds good. And as we said, we'll do more shows for players coming up. Uh, we've really concentrated on the Dungeon Master to start. So we'll look at a lot of player-focused shows. Uh, we'll probably look at classes and races coming up for a while and then um, go back uh, to the Dungeon Master when we talk about gameplay later on. And that is going to be huge. It's a lot of stuff to go over. Yeah. See you all next time. Later.